truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Back on the air again. And we're sorry. No, no, not for missing out yesterday. Aaron had a family emergency and we had to step aside. No, we're sorry for coming back to all of you that will now be subjected to this for the next two hours. So I saw you tweeted out, Aaron. Yeah. That uh, the grandpa's okay, it yeah. turns out. Yeah. It, we, uh, Bella and I, my, my wife and I, rushed down to Kansas the other day to um, say goodbye, uh, essentially, to, to her grandpa, who I had never met before, unfortunately, uh, because he had a pretty major heart attack at the age of 91, unconscious on Wednesday night, uh, mm. went down there uh, Wednesday night, and they uh, decided, you know what, we'll see how he's doing in the morning. And by the middle of the next morning, and I'm not joking about this, by the middle of the next morning, he's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. He was awake. He was alert. He was lamenting the fact that D. Ford was offsides in last year's AFC championship game. (laughs) And you ask any of the doctors, anybody who had worked on him, uh, it's a complete miracle that he's he's still with us and as sharp as he is, especially given the circumstances, his age, and the type of heart attack he he uh, endured. So really, really scary situation for my wife, and I'm really thankful that I was able to be there with her and her family during that uh, during that situation. So thank you, boss, for for letting me uh, off uh, off the show yesterday. You bet. But I, I think this may be a more basic instinct. That man did not live this long. For when the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the AFC yep. Championship game at home, all right, as a touchdown favorite. Yep. Just to just to tap out now. Yep. Now he's just too he's too dang stubborn for that. I gotta see this through <laughs> Indeed. to the very end. Right? Indeed. All right. So it's good to have you back. It's good to be back here as well. 888-900-3393 is the number to the blaze. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Try it. You might like it. Email the program steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got Feedback Friday that you've been sending us. Uh, We'll respond to you uh, that you've been sending us to the stevedace.com inbox. Uh, Coming up in the next hour of the program, let's say a quick hello to Chris. Chris Pandolfo and DC McAllister. They are with us for this week's edition of the Dace Group Roundtable. Todd has today off. So without further ado, let's get to it. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends over at creditrepair.com. We want you to be cautious when relying on free credit score websites. Case in point, this couple wanted to refi their home, so they got their credit score online and it looked okay. But when they applied for the loan, the broker checked thoroughly and their credit score was 40 points worse than what the website said, so they were rejected. If they had started, though, with creditrepair.com, they'd have received a free credit evaluation from an actual human, number one. But in minutes, their creditrepair.com advisor would have shared their actual credit score and a report summary for free would have pointed out inaccurate, unfair items that were hurting their credit and ways that they could fix them as well. So if you're thinking about buying a car, refinancing your home, or applying for credit, call creditrepair.com first. Get your free credit score and report 
heart, plus smart advice from actual humans on how you can improve both. Give them a call, 800-551-9835. That's 800-551-9835, not available in all states, including Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, Oregon, and South Carolina. But for the rest of you, 800-551-9835 or creditrepair.com. Let's get to issue one of your weekly look at the week that was. Bleep Democrats say. Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national no. TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion? We'll have that discussion. You called me. You told me. All right, let's not do it. I, now. I don't want to get nailed. I just want to say hi, Bernie. Yeah, good. Okay. There's a reason Joseph Stalin had gulags, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, gulags were a lot better than like what like the CIA has told us that they were. Like people were actually paid a living wage in gulags. <laughs> They had constant visits in gulags. Gulags were actually meant for like re-education. The greatest way to break a billionaire of their like privilege and their idea that they're superior, go out and break rocks and throw them over today. You're now a working class person. The proposal I lay out does in fact limit drug cost. It sets up, it allows all the drug companies to, excuse me. So, yeah, are you yeah. concerned this debate stage now is, is all white? I, I'm very concerned. I, I still remember the reaction when Kamala Harris dropped off the stage amongst black women in my life. It was almost like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's a woman that won in California twice yeah. who has been extraordinary and she couldn't even get to Iowa. How, how could we have a situation that, that is creating that kind of dynamic? Senator Sanders, you call yourself a democratic socialist, but more than two thirds of voters say they are not enthusiastic about voting for a socialist. Doesn't that put your chances of beating Donald Trump at risk? Nope, not at all. You know, my son Adam is literally my policy advisor. I'm not joking. I was in a meeting with Chairwoman Maxine Waters and two other colleagues about pushing this uh, amendment to stop fossil fuel investment. Us, the government, stopped investing in fossil fuels. He handed me the piece of paper. I had posted it. And he said, Mom, you got to tell him. He says, we only have until 2030. Like, he was giving me these talking points. Do you support those protesters, and would it be a good thing if they brought the regime down? Well, the regime, the protesters are are protesting, as I understand, this brand of protesters about the fact that that plane went down, and many students uh, were on that plane, and these are largely students in the street. I think the Iranians should have not had commercial flights going off when there they're was. They're calling out the regime for lying. They're saying death to Khamenei as well. No, well, whatever it is, we have to stop putting trans women who are incarcerated into prisons with men where they are at risk. I struggle so much with what I can do at times. There are things that I can't avoid. I flew a plane out here today, uh, or last night rather, um, but one thing that I can do is, is change my, my eating habits. And so I just want to urge all of you to, to join me in, in that. Be ready to be in Milwaukee until the DNC commits. We're going to make 1978 look like a Girl Scout. Okay.
Ah, uh, yes. Where? <sighs> indeed, Chris. Where to begin? So first question, Chris, I'll go to you. Your favorite bowl of cream of some crazy guy this week was what, Chris? Okay. So I, I was going to say the, the whole Bernie Sanders versus Warren spat at the debate, which I just, it was my favorite because I find it hilarious. And uh, I find CNN's behavior atrocious, but I've forgotten about Nancy Pelosi being like, oh, yeah, Iranian protesters, whatever. The real problem, of course, is Trump killing a terrorist. I mean, this is the state of the Democratic Party where they are now just so anti-Trump that Iran could shoot down a plane on Fifth Avenue and they they wouldn't look nice. them just like. I see I mean, what you did there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So but it's not just the Democrats. This is our politics now. It's become so tribal and so partisan that whoever's on the other side, they are literally worse than terrorists, and you can't let them win an election. And it's good. And this is just January. The entire year is going to be like this because it's a presidential election year. So you, you think it's you're seeing your, uh, Democrats apologize for terrorists now? What's going to happen in nine months uh, when we're like just a couple weeks away from the election? This is utter chaos. It's completely stupid, and it's kind of glorious in its stupidity. DC, your favorite. What are you taking oh, a spoonful of? Has to be uh, the Kyle. Is his name Jerk or Jurek from Sanders' campaign? Who yep. yes, make, yes. Who wants, make, who wants to make Gulags great again? Uh, I mean, how perfect for a Sanders campaign guy to say that, and also uh, uh, to leads uh, getting policy advice from her son. Uh, there was one woman in the audience when she said that who was like, "See now, even though." Really? Even though they may be communists, those are Iowans. Those are my peeps, okay? And that look in the crowd, I mean, it's the, it's, the, it's the look at Asner's Santa Claus gives Buddy the Elf as a baby when he, when he comes out of, his, uh, out of his Santa bag at the North Pole. What in the Sam Hill is that? All right? And, and even Iowans, even the communist ones are like, nah, nah, we're not, nah, we're not. We're not, we're not really doing this, really. I mean, it's just, there is a certain level of crazy that even communists in certain part of the country are, are simply not willing to tolerate. And that's what you're describing there, right? You can, you can see the audience reaction is just totally not tracking with this. No, they were like, you know, and she kept on with it. You know, she wasn't going to let down. She's like, no, I definitely, no, I really do. When you got really elected do. on a psychosis, you're not going to simmer it down now once you're in office, no. are you? No, of course not. <laughs> the people in the crowd are just like looking at each other going, this is not happening. No, it's happening. but it is. And it's real and it is spectacular, Terry Hatcher. All right, Aaron, your favorite. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I will say... Let me give you two. One honorable mention, it's, uh, it's Kyle Jurek, or Jurek, the Bernie Sanders field organizer at the very end there. He is so right on the money in so many different ways. I mean, they're going to make Milwaukee look like a bleeping Girl Scout bleeping That's the, ra- that's the reason uh, I think he was going to win a convention. He's, he's yeah. right on, on the money on that. And he said, we're going we're gonna to make like, but before that, he said, we're going to make 1978, 78 to look like a whatever. It was 1968, but, you know, facts, all those things. <laughs> so he was even right in just all, just the, the total stereotype there in all of, all of oh. the right ways. So well, come on, come on Aaron, he's, he's a communist. He obviously doesn't know his history. Uh, yes, that's, that's exactly right. I would say my favorite ride on the uh, Democrat crazy train this week was at the very end of, the, uh, of that clip 
where uh, CNN isolated the audio of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders' uh, confrontation post-debate. At the very end of that clip, you can hear Tom Steyer say, and he's, he's in the video as well, say, I, I don't want to get in the middle of this, but I just wanted to say, uh, hi, Bernie. I don't know what that was. To me, my, my dude beta. code... It was very beta. My dude code... My dude code senses started tingling, and it's like, dude, you're going over to the guy who rips billionaires like you, just rips them for breakfast and rips another five more because it's Tuesday, and you just go over to him and say, I just wanted to say hi, Bernie. What in the Sam Hill was that? Dude code violation. Um, You get no uh, you do not collect one hundred dollars. You do not collect. Uh, you do not pass go. You go right to jail, dude. Go jail for that. What in the Sam Hill was that? So that was probably my favorite ride on the Democrat crazy train. Not coincidentally, Bernie's response. Okay, yeah, good. That's exactly what I say when Chipotle asks me if it's okay that guac is extra. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that what you're describing, and we're going to have a topic about this debate later in the show. Where we're, as best we can, address it seriously. Uh, and, and where it puts the presidential race heading into Iowa about two and a half weeks away. But that clip there is is why Van Jones could not even afterwards. Yeah. Okay, because, I mean, like, I, I can see Donald Trump conning me. I can see him swindling me, outsmarting me. That I, I can see it, all right? In that clip, my, my, my I, I, how did Tom Steyer get money? Why, why is he rich and I drive a 2013 Ford Edge? How? How is this possible? How? 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 Is this? I would Bane break his back like Bane did Batman. How is it possible well, that this guy has billions to waste on this campaign and climate cult and I'm going to drive home in a snowstorm in Iowa with a 2013 Ford you know, Edge. How is this possible? You know, Elizabeth Warren is saying how as well. I don't think she means it the same it's, way. That ah, <laughs> there we go. Yes, but nice. uh, and, then, and then you've got two members of an exclusive club. <clears throat> There's only 100 senators in the country. And one of them walks over to the other and says, I, uh, pardon me, do you have any great poupon? Um, I, I think you may have called me a liar. And the other one's got to dial up his hearing aid. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's not in the picture because it's 10 Eastern and he's got Metamucil to take. All right. <clears throat> and, and Bernie's like turning up his, what, 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 what? Okay. I, I'm not sure if Bernie, it, 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 it's good that they're doing the Coming to America sequel because we're going to see Bernie Sanders in a movie because he's that guy in the original. That's beautiful. What is that? Velvet? That's him. And so he's over there. What, what? I think you, well, um, I think you called me a liar. Well, you, you called me, let's not do one. Meanwhile, the guy, the only guy that in the room that has actually done something with his own hands in his life is sitting, standing by, waiting to be acknowledged, hoping to be selfied, waiting for a pat on the head so that he can get, he can get a moment with a, with a millionaire who wants to play class warfare with him for being even wealthier and, than he is, and, right? And the most, you know, the most alpha guy in the room, the guy who served in the military is gay. The Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. So let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being as limp as Cory Booker's Tinder account and 10 being as robust as Cory Booker's Grinder account, rate this week's level of, shall we say, nuts. Chris, 
This week was like a six. It, it's been more knots in past weeks, but you, you had some high points. The Pelosi thing, the, the Iranian protesters, and uh, all of the nonsense that happened in the debate. <clears throat> DC? I think it's about a five. Right there in the middle. Yep. Aaron? I'm at a six and a half this week. All right. Let's get to issue two. By what standard would would we say this is wrong? My balls bigot dude Jessica Yaniv is back in court. This time he's alleging another waxing salon refused to wax his legs. Yaniv was all over the news last summer after he took other waxing salons to Canada's Human Rights Tribunal, alleging anti-trans bigotry for them refusing to wax his genitals. That case was dismissed and Yaniv was forced to pay restitution to the salons he had taken to court. After going to the courthouse regarding the current alleged human rights abuse, Canadian independent journalist Kian Bexty approached Yaniv to ask him for comment. Yaniv, will you, will you be pleading guilty? What? No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Stop! Go away from me. Go away. Go away from me. Get away from me. Crazy Get thing. away from me. Get away. Get the away from me. That story is developing at the same time a 45-year-old registered sex offender in Michigan is protesting his sentence of 10 years in prison for child pornography charges. Aside from claiming that the images in his possession are protected by the First Amendment, part of his defense is that he identifies as an 8-year-old girl. Love is love. Indeed, same love, y'all. So, I go back to the title of this second topic and I pose it to the panel. By what standard would leftists tell this, tell us that this is wrong? By what standard would they deny the sex offender in Michigan his claim? DC, I'll start with you this time. Uh, I don't know by what standard. Um, I- I can't even answer the question. I really can't. I, it's just it's, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Go on to someone else. I can't answer that question. It's too awful. Chris, no. what, by what standard? I think that's actually my answer is what she just gave. I don't, I don't <laughs> think there is a standard that they would reject um, this, but what do you think? Yeah, so if you've ever attempted to do a talk to a leftist and kind of like pose this question to them, generally you'll get a response like, well, you know, that just doesn't feel right. Right. They always talk, they don't never talk about what they think. They always mm-hmm. talk about what they feel. So when you see a, a sex offender say he's an eight year old girl and try to get away with his crimes because of that and, and, uh, and claim that his uh, child kitty porn is protected by the First Amendment on his computer. I think a leftist might look at it and say, well, you know, that, that just doesn't feel right to me. Uh, but again, that's a very subjective standard. And it, it, this is the trap that kind of relativism and this postmodernist thinking and progressive thinking falls into is they don't have a higher standard because they reject God as a the source and the author of moral law. And so everything's just kind of uh, a will to power, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever's elected or whoever's elected or whoever's in charge, they just get to tell everybody else what to do. And that's why they're so obsessed with the power of the state and so afraid of conservatives having the power of the state. It's why they care about it. They get so rabid about their elections because they literally view this as the there's going to be somebody setting a moral standard that I don't want to abide by if the other guy wins. And that's why they're so afraid of us. Um so they have no standard other than they're in charge and they don't like it. And, and uh, in this case, if somebody like uh, the people we're talking about, like Yanev or the sex offender, were to be in charge, uh, anything to complain about. They just, you know, it, it's a mess and uh, it's 
the state that human beings find themselves in when they reject God as a source of moral authority. Let's go back to Canada for a second, Chris, based on what you just said, before I bring Aaron in here. But I want to follow with you because I thought you, 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 you had some interesting things to say there that I want to give you another case study to apply. Because I like the juxtaposition that Aaron made with the farcical, um, this guy is clearly nuts, but in a way that is worthy of, of, of scorn instead of sympathy, because he's actively mm-hmm. trying in the most pathetic ways possible to inflict his psychosis on you. That's the, uh, the artist known as Jessica Yanov, right? And the juxtaposition between that <clears throat> and the class, more classic case of insanity where this guy is a different kind of fiend now. This is just straight-up evil. And by what standard? Because I've had friends of mine that go to that are pro-family speakers, Christian speakers, that, that have been stopped at the Canadian airport when they've been invited to speak in Canada, have been put on uh, uh, essentially lists, hate lists, things of that nature, detained at airports, you know, um, like they're criminals because they refuse to accept the premise of things like Jessica Yanov. So how does the same country then deny him these services at these salons? What, what standard then are they using? Well, I think um, God has written his moral law on our hearts. It's why when we, when we do bad things, when we're sinning, we feel guilty about it. And for some people who reject God, they make up for that guilty feeling by pretending it's not there mm-hmm. and lashing out. It's why uh, when Jesse Kelly looks at Pete Buttigieg and he just says, that guy is just filled with rage against the Christian church. Lots of people will ask Jesse Kelly, who's a conservative commentator on Twitter and uh, kind of a personality. Uh, they ask him, well, why do you say that? And, and with the, the, the explanation I have for that is just he, he knows that he's uh, in a state of sin that is against God's natural order, mm-hmm. and he refuses to repent of that. And as a result, he's just filled with this anger at God, and it's expressed in the way that he talks about Christians and conservative Christians, especially, and just says like, you know, these people are all hypocrites, and they use their God for politics. This is why Pete Buttigieg says the same sort of things. So I, I think that in some of the authorities in Canada, there is that. Uh, that moral law that God has written in their hearts telling them that, you know, this is, this is wrong. We can't just let somebody walk into a salon and demand that they, their balls get waxed. It's inappropriate. There's some vestige of we know what is right still in people's we hearts. We can't escape it no matter how far we run, basically. We can't escape yeah. the truth. Mm, exactly. Yep. On some level, we recognize we have to draw a line, which is why leftist Aaron hates slippery slope arguments because they're undefeated for all time. They've, they've never lost an argument. That's why they hate them. Exactly. And to, to answer this question, what is the standard by which you would tell someone like this 45-year-old dude in Michigan or Jessica Yaniv that their behavior is unacceptable? I want to say this very carefully and very, uh, very slowly so that it will not be missed. That question, by what standard, is not has not, and will never be a relevant question for leftists. To us it is, and it's a perfectly rational question to ask in, in uh, not progressive land, but it is not relevant at all. The only standard that is relevant to leftism in its many forms, in its many ways in, in which it tries to acquire power, is what helps me get that power in any given circumstance. 
and what helps me to tear down the traditional uh, traditional notions of Judeo Christianity in my in my orbit at the at any given time. There is no question about standards. The only standard that applies to leftism and that they live their lives by is how can I acquire power? That's the only relevant one to them. So, of course, if we're if we're debating this, but let's let's play, let's have some fun here. If we're actually going to debate this, and let's say we we actually do get into a debate with this, they could go the um, they could go the route of uh, of essentially saying, well, you know what, this is not uh, this is not uh, it, you know pursuing maximum happiness for the maximum amount of people, uh, sort of a utilitarian argument mm-hmm. like that. Right. They could go down that route, but that's easily <clears throat> dispensed, guys. And again, a warning, I, I don't, we're trying to get back, we'll talk about this, I know, in an hour or two with one of our Feedback Friday. I, when, when you're talking about this particular per- perversion, sexual perversion of any kind, does the mutilation of genitals, uh, do, does the mutilation of genitals, do, is that providing the max amount of happiness, the ma- max amount of good? Is that actually good for the greatest amount of people? If you even wanted to put it for any sexual per- perversion, it is inherently damaging, so the utilitarian argument never holds up under scrutiny, and that's about the only one that you can make for either one of these situations, especially the latter with the guy in, in, in Michigan. But that doesn't hold up under scrutiny whatsoever. But again, it is not about, it's not about what's right and wrong. It's what, about, it's, it's what helps acqu- me acquire my right, power right. and my endgame at any given moment. Which, which is why when enough people decide that this sort of nefarious activity is what provides them pleasure those same people will decide that they now support it okay so that that's how you go from bill clinton off you know signing the defense of marriage act into law to now you could not get elected uh you know dog catcher in in the democratic party if you're not down with every last perversion that comes uh from the rainbow jihad because in 1998 when bill clinton signed that into law they didn't have power but now they have more of it than any constituency in the country. So they go along with it. That goes right to the point that you're trying to make. Acknowledging Jessica Yanov, who's taking our most, <clears throat> pardon me, our most ill, who's taking our premise to its most illogical conclusion. So having him do so in broad daylight crushes our case and provides content for the likes of Chris Pandolfo, Steve Dace, and DC McAllister to talk about. So he must be, he must be stopped. I don't need a standard other than acknowledging him acting consistent with my own premise denies me the power I want. Precisely. So he must be punished. Yeah. But if someone else cr- crashes those stained glass or crushes those stained glass windows, and if someone else advances my power and has the exact same psychosis, but exercises it in a way that advances my will to Precisely. power, then they will be affirmed. Yeah. I, I still That's think the whole scam yeah, right there. I think the yeah. tribunal, I don't think, I don't think the, the, the I mean, yes, God's law is written on all of our hearts, but I think that the tribunal is exactly that. Uh, it's better for one man per- to perish than an entire psychosis. Exactly right. Yeah. Go ahead, DC, quickly. I was going to say there's one. There's only one standard for them, and that's their own subjective truth. Yeah. And whenever you have a subjective truth and there is no objective truth, all you're going to have is warring truths for, for dominance. And, and surrounding yourself by people who share even one little reductionist attitude or idea from your subjective truth. And then you band together to fight other people. And that's why, how you get identity politics. It's how you get tribalism. It's how you get all this warring factions that we have is subjectivism. And that is the tyranny of our times. Can you give our audience a 60-second definition? Because I've used this term before as well, but you just dropped it again. Man, sorry about this. Cannot clear my throat. Reductionist. Can you define that for the audience? 
Well, it's when, you know, people as human beings are fully integrated human beings. We're complex creatures. But when you reduce, you know, especially in a materialistic reductionism, it's just you you put people down to the most isolated, smallest um, value that you can find about them. Um, that, you know, they're simply their sexual identity, for example. I am gay or I am my feelings or I am, or I am mm -hmm. just a bunch of molecules and chemicals. I mean, it reduces you down instead of lifting you up and seeing you as a full spiritual, rational, moral, physical, eternal um, creature that has value. And, and reducing people dehumanizes them. Because the more you reduce someone, especially in a materialistic way, in any way, um, you, you are taking away their full humanity as made in the image of God, which is very complex, very, very beautiful, and with many different layers. Very well said. Let's get to the exit question. True or false? Oh, whoops. That's, yeah, true or false. Within three years, the left will have successfully jammed this insanity down the throat of the culture, and at least half the right will either surrender to it or affirm it as well. Chris? Um, true as far as the trans stuff goes. I'm not sure that we'll get to the point where we're justifying uh, sex offenders. Aaron? Uh, it's true. DC? No, true. How about the fact that what Chris just described was, is the optimistic view? That, that's the view of restraint. We, I, I, wow. Happy to make you feel good, Steve. Thank you for that Friday pick-me-up, brother. Now I, know how I make, now I know how I make people feel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We'll look at Iowa and more next. Stay tuned. Hey, all of you listening to me right now that to have your own mobile phone, chances are if you're not using Patreon Mobile, you're paying too much. But that's not even the worst part because chances are also you're giving your money to a company that then uses that money against your values. And you may say, hey, well, sometimes I can't avoid that because this is the best product on the market by far. And that's true. I mean, the reality is if you're only going to do business with absolutely everybody that agrees with absolutely everything you, you believe in politically, um, welcome to being a hermit crab. Okay. I mean, that's just not possible in a pluralistic society, particularly one with the kind of uh, culture careening to oblivion that ours is at the moment that we were just talking about. But when the option is there. All right. Like it is with Patriot Mobile, take advantage of it because every one of these companies use the same four towers. That's why in their own marketing, they're saying, hey, we got the same coverage that the at Brand X has, but we just give it to you less. All right. So get the same coverage you get from everybody else through Patriot Mobile, but but get it in a way that doesn't go against your values, but supports them as well. Because Patriot Mobile is the only conservative mobile phone company out there with plans starting as low as $25 a month and plans that also include unlimited talk, text, and that same reliable service and no hidden fees as well. Go to patreonmobile.com slash Steve and use the offer code Steve to get a free month of service on any new line that you open up right now at patreonmobile.com. patreonmobile.com slash Steve to get a free month on any new line you open up. patreonmobile.com slash Steve or give them a call 877-367-7524. That's 877 877- 367-7524. Alongside Aaron McIntyre, DC McAllister, Chris Pandolfo, this is The Dace Group. Let's get to issue three. 
the Iowa debate. The temperature inside the debate venue was about the same as the Iowa winter outside as the Democrats hosted their 115th primary debate in Des Moines. And the only person on this stage who has beaten an incumbent Republican any time in the past 30 years is me. Well, just to set the record straight, I defeated an incumbent Republican uh, running for Congress. When? 1990. That's how I won, beat a Republican congressman. <laughs> Number two, of course, I, I don't think there's any debate up here. What, wasn't it 30 years ago? I beat an incumbent Republican congressman. And I said, I was the only one who's beaten an incumbent Republican in 30 years. Well, 30 years ago, <laughs> it's 1990, as a matter of fact. I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Mayor Buttigieg, you're selling your plan as Medicare for all who want it, yet your plan would automatically enroll uninsured Americans into a public option, even if they don't want it and force them to pay for it. How is that truth in advertising? Because the system doesn't work if there are free riders. Mr. Vice President, just to be clear, uh, the Obama-Biden administration did not ask Congress for permission multiple times when it took military action. So would the Biden doctrine be different? No, there was the authorization for the use of military force that was passed by the United States Congress, House and Senate, and signed by the president. That was the authority. It does not give authority to go into Iran. Senator Sanders, you call yourself a democratic socialist, but more than two-thirds of voters say they are not enthusiastic about voting for a socialist. Doesn't that put your chances of beating Donald Trump at risk? Nope, not at all. CNN's Van Jones said what any lucid Democrat was thinking. Democrats have to do better than what we saw tonight. There was nothing I saw at night that would be able to take Donald Trump out. And I want to see a, a, a Democrat in the White House as soon as possible. There was nothing tonight that if you're looking at this thing, you say this, any of these people are prepared for what Donald Trump is going to do to us. Well, after the debate was over, CNN was able to capture the exceedingly frosty post-debate exchange between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national no. TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion? We'll have that Any discussion. Time? You called me. You told me. All right, let's not do it I'm now. Not, I don't want to get in the middle, but I just want to say hi, Bernie. Yeah, good. Okay. Why is Tom Steyer rich? What, what kind of a failure as a man must I be that I can't out-earn that guy? I mean, I, I mean how? How? That's my psychosis. Hi, Bernie. Let's get to the first question. What do you guys think this debate did to impact the outcome here in Iowa 17 days from today? Aaron, I'll start with you. Not a thing. Do I still have to talk more? Um, I really don't That's think. That's up to you. Yeah, I really don't think uh, that it did much, if anything, at all. I think it just cemented, and uh, you know, I, sh- I just think it cemented what people probably already thought. Elizabeth Warren supporters, her hardcore supporters, probably didn't already like Bernie Sanders, or else guess what? They'd be Bernie Sanders supporters. Bernie Sanders' hardcore base 
doesn't like Elizabeth Warning, uh, Warren, and they probably don't like her anymore now, and probably they don't like her uh, quite a bit more than they did before this debate, uh, or else they would have been Elizabeth Warren supporters, Joe Biden, I think once and for all, at least for Iowa voters, because now we're within three weeks and people are starting to pay attention. They're like, oh crap, I got to vote for somebody or caucus for somebody here in the next uh, few days. Uh, Joe Biden support, you know, I, I just think that was illustrated probably once and for all. He's He's just not not capable of of doing the job and again we're not saying that with any sort of glee or anything he's just an 80 year old man and so i think those are about the only things we knew for people who actually liked pete Buttigieg uh for his health care plan um he nuked that himself and i did edit that that clip just a little bit for brevity and it edited some of those clips but he essentially was asked hey you keep saying medicare for all who want it but your plan is actually medicare for all what gives yo and he was like yeah it's actually medicare for all that's basically, so I lied to you, my, so my, lied to you my nice little line here. I've been lying to you this entire time, but hey, I'm gay. Well, that's a summation. Chris, your thoughts? Uh, I think uh, it has a little bit more impact than Aaron seems to think. Just in terms of, you know, the nature of a caucus, is there's a lot of horse trading that goes on, right? Uh, because of the Bernie Warren feud now, I think you're not going to see any horse trading between those two camps. They now hate each other. And uh, it's understandable because if you're looking at this from the popular, from the perspective of somebody who's like more of a populist leftist, right, which is the camp that both Bernie and Elizabeth Warren is trying to win, right? Warren's whole shtick is there these big, greedy special interests in, in Washington, D.C. that the Trump administration is part of, and people on both sides, Democrat and Republican, have stuck up for them rather than you, the American people. But what we saw at this debate with that CNN question, the way that they just assumed that Bernie Sanders was lying about what he said about whether or not a woman could run for president, and just automatically granted a war and the benefit of the doubt and just kind of went with her side of the story without even doing the journalistic thing and trying to get both sides is you, there you see a big special interest, in this case the media, aligning itself with the Warren campaign, which undercuts her whole narrative of I'm the real populist candidate, right? Because now you have a special interest defending her, kind of rigging the game against another populist, Bernie Sanders. So if you're in the Sanders camp and you're looking at that, you're like, Elizabeth Warren is a hypocrite and a liar. And if you're a Warren supporter, you're like, Bernie Sanders is a sexist and a misogynist. And now because of this, You've got two very divided, the, the populist wing of the party is going to be harshly divided, which gives the opportunity for someone like Buttigieg or Joe Biden to beat both of them because their supporters are not going anywhere. They're locked in. I think that's the impact of the debate. Now, in a larger sense, I think for a Democrat, if you watch that debate, you're embarrassed because like Van Jones, you notice none of these people seem serious. None of these people seem like they are prepared to wage a general election campaign against Donald Trump. It wins some of the voters that they're going to need to beat Trump. And if you're Donald Trump watching this debate, you're just thrilled because these are all clowns and you're going to destroy whoever the nominee is after they emerge from this chaos clown car. Uh, and you're very, very excited for that whole campaign to begin. I want to go back to something you said in a moment, but first I want to let DC uh, get a shot at this. Go ahead, DC. I think um, if you hone in on some of the particulars, I think Warren really did get an advantage out of this uh, debate on two levels. Um, one, that her focus on the woman. I've been watching mm -hmm. to see the media would go more toward Buttigieg or if they would go 
toward Warren as far as the special interest and who they really wanted to put their money behind. I see it drifting more and more toward Warren, toward the female faction um, and special interest, which isn't surprising because women hate Trump and they would love to see a woman up against him in 2020 um, to have the future's female and all the women's marches are going to rally around her. So I saw that really coming to the fore, which is going to be a huge driving force behind her. But I also saw something else um, that also ties a little bit into her feminine ways, her being a woman, um, is that of all the uh, candidates on the stage, she was the only one who really, I think, would make Democrats feel good about themselves from a few comments that she made. And I say that because voters are not only interested in who will beat Trump, they're not only interested on, in what will you do for me, but they're very interested in what, how that candidate makes them feel about themselves. We can't under, uh, underestimate how that affects voting. People really want to vote with who makes them feel good about themselves. And Warren did that. And then if she can really press that and, and bring that more to the fore, like she did a couple of times in that debate. I'm talking about the, the glory of the Democrats and how the, they're the ones who make the differences and who, who make the social changes and really rally that to them, you know, in that cause. I think that she will rise more and more. And if, if Biden really starts to fade, she will be the one. Hmm. So, Chris, let me go back to you for a second. Who's not running that could, that would be serious? Right, I think, I think in March, everybody thought, March and April, everybody thought that Joe Biden was very serious. And we've watched him do two things, uh, mentally and physically deteriorate, because he's incompetent, can't do the job. But then also just completely give in to the zeitgeist. Um, uh, it realized in, instead of attempting to thwart it or saying at some point we got to be adults here, he's just totally given himself over to uh, contradicting positions he's frankly held since before you and I were both born, Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so then tell me who's sitting out because I think we need to. I want to answer this question: Are these candidates not serious, or is this just the manifestation of the worldview that they represent? So, who would be more serious? I think some of the more centrist Democrats, you know, the the, the people who would call themselves pragmatists, like um, uh, John Bell Edwards, the governor of Louisiana, who uh, signed the pro-life legislation because he realized, you know, if I want to be in office, I can't right. just be a hardcore. Chris, Chris, if, Chris, Chris, which states would he win in a national Democratic primary, do you think, being pro-life? Oh, in a primary, he wouldn't he wouldn't win the primary. I'm just saying I'm just saying in terms right. of the candidates who are serious, they have to play to the base. Right, and this is why they're in the situation that they're in. Yeah, and a lot of the de- and a lot of the governors who tried to run and in, in that lane, like Steve Bullock from Montana, it's a red state. He's a red state governor. He, he's a Democrat. Uh, he went nowhere. His campaign went nowhere. Right, right. Because the base is demanding that these big name progressives like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, these are the people they want. That's why they're in the lead. This the, this base the does. There, there, there is, is there, there is. Biden. Pardon me. There is still some Democratic base that doesn't want. Uh, uh, you know, the October revolution, but they're not on any cable news. They're not in any media and they don't really have a collective voice. And so we really don't know how big that group is um, within that party. We really, we have no way of of quantifying it until they actually begin to vote. We don't know. Yeah. I think it's bigger than we probably think of it because everything that we see about these candidates is filtered through the media. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but again, their candidate is Joe Biden. Right. If you're if you're not an October revolutionist, if you're not a communist, 
uh, you're looking at this race and the biggest person with the biggest name ID and the most money who fits in your lane is either Biden or one of the billionaires running for president, Bloomberg or Steyer. And that's why you see Bloomberg and Steyer are actually being effective with the money that they're spending. They're each buying themselves like 5% support in a lot of the polls that have come out recently. And Joe Biden has the rest because everybody knows Joe Biden. Everybody kind of likes Joe Biden. But I don't think everybody's sure that Joe Biden is up to the task of beating Donald Trump. And so uh, the long story short of the whole primary process is I think, especially in Iowa, if you're a Democratic voter, you're panicking right up to caucus night and you actually have no idea who you're going to support because yeah, it's free and the, the, the Iowa poll shows that about 60% of Iowans aren't firm in who yeah. they want to support. Let's get to the exit question. If this Iowa debate were an ACDC song, which ACDC song would it be? A, who made who? B, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Or C, if you want blood, you got it. Aaron. If you want blood, you got it. Chris. Who made who? The whole thing's confused. <laughs> That's good, too. DC? Uh, if you want blood. You have to do that with the Sanders and, and Warren interaction. Okay. Issue four. If you had to. Fundraising for Democrats still seems to be no problem. According to Business Insider, and as of January 3rd, Democrats raised the following totals in the fourth quarter of last year alone. Tulsi Gabbard, $3.4 million. Amy Klobuchar, $11.4 million. Andrew Yang, $16.5 million. Elizabeth Warren, $21.2 million. Joe Biden, $22.7 million. Pete Buttigieg, $24.7 million. Bernie Sanders, $34.5 million. That's not to mention the money that billionaires like Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg have dumped into the race as well. So if you need to go to one of these folks for a job, if you had to, which of these candidates would you work for and why? Aaron. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Bloomberg, and I apologize to any of our New York City listeners. Actually, no, I don't. There is this kind of stereotype of of the New York City person, business person, who never has gotten out of the city. I think Mick Michael Bloomberg... I think he fits that per- perfectly. So I would just tell the guy, you know what? I'm an Iowan. I know how to appeal to Iowans. Pay me $5 billion or whatever. Just name an ungodly figure of money and uh, just let me go to town. And I would not have to do just basically a darn thing. I would just create a commercial, um, you know, with, I don't know, Old McDonald's, just a music video of Old McDonald and call that a campaign commercial. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think you would be able to get away with it because I just don't, I mean... Yeah, he's made billions. He knows some things, but he doesn't know Iowa. There's no way that he can. So he has to listen to somebody. Why not me? So I think the never-ending trove of cash for little return that um, and little probably accountability for Michael Bloomberg, I'm on that. Chris, quickly, go. Uh, Biden, if he actually by some chance wins, it's going to be Thad Cochran running the White House, whereas his staff is actually <laughs> nice going to run analogy. So if you're looking for power— Join the Biden campaign. The joke in the McDaniel campaign during that primary in Mississippi is uh, Thad Cochran was the last one to know they needed to win in that uh, nomination that night. DC, who would you work for and why? Oh, Bernie, because I'd never lose my job. (laughs) But you also wouldn't, you'd also be paid less as a woman, right? And you'd you'd, you'd escape the gulags as well. So there's that. (laughs) All right. Prediction time. Chris, go. Uh, there's no, going to be no surprises from the Senate impeachment hearings all next week. The outcome is going to be exactly what everybody always knew the outcome was going to be. Trump is going to be acquitted by the Senate, and there will actually be more Democrats voting against removing him from office than there are Republicans voting for impeachment. Mm, that last one's fascinating. All right. D.C., go. Michelle Obama is not going to get into the race. I'm tired of hearing this. She's not going to. Let's just stop talking about it. 
it's the it's the fantasy because it's a recognition of what the current field they have looks like uh, comprehensively. Aaron, the Chiefs will beat the Tennessee Titans twenty seven to twenty to go to their first Super Bowl in over fifty years. There will be another. My prediction is there will be another Michael Evanetti type this year that the media falls in love with and turns into a uh, a household name because he's singing their sirens song. All right. And it's not going to be some dude from Russia that Rudy Giuliani, whose judgment is just, I, I, Rudy Giuliani and Joe Biden need to be sent to the same Sunnyside acres. Okay. No, I'm, I mean like somebody, a serious, a, a serious shark that they adopt and just glom onto because they're, he's, he's saying what they want to say that they don't vet. And then they get, it's blown up in their faces all over again. It's just the Matrix needs its Neo. And so we're going to get another Michael Evan 80 type this year. DC and Chris, good to see both of you. Thanks for joining us again this week here on the Days Group. Thanks for having us on. You bet. Take care to both of you. We've got one hour to go here. We've got Feedback Friday coming up. Still time to get your feedback in, by the way. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, although... I, I doubt it will show up. I need to do an update of where our Facebook likes <clears throat> have gone in the last year. It was like last March was the last one I did. Are you I, sure about that? Why not? My self-esteem's already low enough saying that what a beta male Tom Steyer is, and yet how many billions of dollars he has, I don't. I can take another hit to the self-esteem. It's pretty much negligent right now, or negligible right now as we speak. So we'll get to Feedback Friday here when we return. Stay tuned. <laughs> Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. We're back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV at radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here with me. Todd Erzin has the day off. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us one of those five-star reviews, the more of those we get, the more people like you, the algorithms that uh, ingloriously rule us these days, uh, the more likely they are to help us find more people like you because they don't want to waste their time working on a show that no one likes. They want to help a show that people kind of like, right? So that's us, the show people kind of like, all right? Well, if you can find more people that would kind of like us as well, we would appreciate that. So please give us one of those five-star reviews. If you're one of the thousands of people that have done this for us already, muchos gracias. Is it gracias? Uh, Yes, the answer is yes. Yes, okay. How about it's America? Let's just go with... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for leaving us one of those five-star reviews. Please keep them coming. If you've left us one, maybe consider leaving us nine, 10, or 11 more. I I don't know if the algorithms will permit that, but I'm I'm willing to take that chance. And if you haven't left us one yet, what is wrong with you? Please help us. Help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope, all right? 
We'll get to your feedback here that you've been sending us to the inbox here in a moment because it is now in our final hour of the week, a Feedback Friday brought to you. This hour is by our good friends at RidUZone. So many of us are making New Year's resolutions this time of year. Let me give you some advice. Don't. Over 80% of those resolutions are going to fail by the time we get to Valentine's Day. All right. What you need, and I'm somebody that knows a little something about this because I've, I've lost well over 100 pounds uh, over the last uh, 10 years or so. Uh, what you need is to change your lifestyle. However, while that is the solution, it's not easy to get there because your brain, your body is wired to crave and conserve calories. So now cutting back uh, can be a problem. Uh, controlling your portion sizes, your cravings, especially when you're used to, you know, uh, not craving uh, and conserving calories, but just adding on more and more and more. So what do you do? Thankfully, your body has this little molecule inside called OEA that it basically is a signal that lets the, the brain know when the belly is full. Unfortunately, though, when you have been uh, piling on the pounds, you've kind of trained your brain to ignore that signal, and that's where Riduzone comes in. It wants to boost your OEA with more OEA. That's all that it is. That's why it's vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and also uh, uh, FDA-accepted. I almost forgot the last talking point there. Can I'm over it? here sneezing. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, that, distracting that, you. That was a slight distraction. I'm a victim. Thank you for taking the blame. You, you should have. Okay. Uh, but, but when you turn over the bottle, you're not going to see additives, chemicals, preservatives, none of that stuff. It's just good old OEA so that you can get your cravings and portion sizes under control because that's really the battle. Sometimes it is what you eat. I mean, if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, which really isn't that much, all right, that's kind of the average that the government says you should consume if you're an average person. But all 2,000 of those calories are Hershey's Kisses. Um, then, yeah, it's, it, it, it is going to matter that, what you're eating. That's okay? no bueno. More Spanish for y- you. Y- yes, thank you very much as we continue to be uh, bilingual here on the program. Uh, but for most people, you're not eating 2,000 calories a day in Hershey's Kisses, okay? For most people, therefore, it isn't what you're eating, but how much, and that's where Riduzone comes in. So we're offering you today uh, 30% off a three-month supply. Why three months? Because it takes about 90 days for a new habit to form there in the old brain, all right? So 30% off a three-month supply at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, at riduzone.com, but you got to use my name, Steve, as the promo code to get that discount, all right? Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. All right, are we ready for some Feedback Friday? You know it. All right, let's, let's get to it. Um, this is from Nikki Carr, who says, I absolutely love listening to your show every day. Sometimes I try to listen with the kids in earshot because you address, or sometimes I sometimes try to listen with the kids in earshot because you address the trans uh, mental illness. And we are currently dealing with a, uh, uh, some relatives uh, that, are, that are battling with this. That being said, I, I just had your show on so I could listen while in the kitchen preparing meals and cleaning up and found you suddenly describing the hazing going on at Penn State, including the genitals on faces. Thank God my 13-year-old girl had gone upstairs and my 10-year-old boy was in the living room, but I suddenly had to leap across the kitchen and turn the volume way down. Are you able to give a warning when you're describing something like this, or, you, you, or do you expect that it will be just adults listening? Something to think about, please. I consider it very kind if you would let me know either way. So I'm sharing this on the air because it's a common question that I get, okay? Um, here's the thing with this. 
I think I think adults and parents should go into this with the expectation that depending on your definition of PG-13, right? I think the very first movie or one of the first movies to ever get a PG-13 rating when that was invented when I was a kid was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And it largely got a PG-13 rating because of the scene where Indy uh, reaches in or the or the... The shaman reaches into the chest and pulls that guy's still beating heart out. You know, that's Sesame Street in 2020. But in 1984, when that movie came out and it was a quote unquote family movie, people are like, what? Okay, so um, depending on your, if you think Goonies is PG-13, then this is a rated R show. If, if you rated R the way that Hacksaw Ridge, Schindler's List, The Passion are rated R. Which very is, real. Which is a very unfiltered, without being, um, hopefully without being profane, but an unfiltered look at human nature that we are covering every single day. And, and I don't know, frankly, how you would watch the news or anything at all. I mean, anything. I don't know how you'd listen to anything, watch anything without some of the things that are, ha- that are openly discussed. We're in a decaying culture. We, 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 we're one step away from that story in Judges where the, where the sellout priest shows up in town with his sex slave concubine and then the people in the neighborhood uh, want to have their way with her. So he leaves her outside all night to get raped to death. And he wakes up and finds that they raped his sex slave to death. He's so despondent that as if this guy's got some kind of moral high ground, by the way, he's a priest with a concubine with a sex slave. Okay. Right. But this is the time of the judges when everyone does what was wise in their own eyes, including the priests. Uh, and he cuts her up into, into, into 12 pieces to send one of one piece each to the 12 tribes of Israel to let them know that he's offended at this. That that that's the gist of the story, as I recall. Yep. Right? I, what is that story rated? I I, I so I, I think it's best to go into this assuming that this is a hard PG thirteen show, meaning what? An accurate reflection of what's going on in the culture, without f bombs, and taking the Lord's name in vain. Or a gratuitous one. You're, I think yeah. to stay FF, you have to be have one, one, one more, no more than one f bomb, and there can only be like one. I think the guidelines are one gratuitous shot of upper body female nudity or uh, bare buttocks male or female. If you exceed either of those, you go you go R. Okay, so this is PG thirteen without any gratuitous nudity, nudity or even the single f bomb, but. That's that's the news era that we're in today, and I'm not really sure how to avoid it. That doesn't mean, I know you want to chime in this. Let me just say one more thing. That doesn't mean I'm not absolved of responsibility, okay? And so I one of the things, I, I know I just said don't do resolutions, so I'm not. But one of the things I have been convicted with lately is I need to be a little bit more sensitive and situationally sensitive when we get into some of this subject matter. So I'm going to try this year. All right, to, to not just, you know, always immediately go there without warning. I will do my best, Aaron, by all means, you and Todd. You know, if we start going down a road, is you know, don't feel free to say, hey, 
Because you know me, man. I'm just, I get flowing. Okay. And we kind of, that's how we, we roll around here. So we start going down one of these rolls, roads. If you want, guys want to step in and say, hey, is this where we need to kind of warn the audience a little bit? I'm fine with that. But ultimately, I think as a parent, any parent listening to this, you know, you need to ask yourself, if, you know, which PG-13 movie would I not let my 12, 13-year-old watch? And that could very well be this show because of the nature of the news that we are we we are in, forced to have to cover. Yeah, and when we've talked about this and, and addressed this before, I've often said, you know, we try to accurately, as you said, accurately uh, de- depict what's going on in our culture and going on in our politics without gratuity uh, and without gratuitous details. Um, it, it has, I think I need to put a finer point on that along the lines of something that you kind of said in passing. What is going on in our culture is gratuitous. Human yeah. nature is gratuitous yeah. when left unchecked. Yeah. And so it is, it, it's impossible to give you and tell you exactly what is going on and give you the truth of what's going on in our culture without that gratuitous, up-close, uncomfortable look at human nature. However, what we try to do is, is do it without exaggeration, gratuitous exaggeration, I should say. Sometimes we have to appeal to the absurd to really under, underline the truth of what is going yes. on, but not without... Like with virtue. wax yeah. my balls, bigot guy. Exactly. Yeah. But, but in this story, that was a serious hazing. Jessica Yanov is mentally ill. That's not that's not a serious story. We're, we're being told to treat mental illness as serious. He's not he's, he's not a serious story. And, and it, that's a story that deserves a form of scorn and mockery because it's so ridiculous, the idea that you want me to take it seriously, that a guy walks into a, a, a woman's salon and demands that women remove the pubic hair from his scrotum because he wants to believe or demands that you acknowledge he's not really a man is so ridiculous that I think that re- that requires the the Paul from Galatians who says to the Judaizers, if you love circumcision so much as cut your whole penises off and, and be especially holy then. Prove to me you really believe in this stuff, right? But the story we talked about with Penn State, you'll notice the way I tried to treat that very as dignified as I could. I even used like the anatomically correct terminology from a sixth grade health class textbook and not any slang. I, 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 I mean... That's the story. I, I don't. I don't know how else to cover that story. Yeah, and it's it's impossible to. I mean, there's there's no number of euphemisms that you can use to actually underscore and and point out things uh, with um, you know w- with their full amount of uh, of truth uh, with them without actually without actually using the words to describe them. I mean, you know, we still on this show, I know that uh, Chief, uh, I don't know if he's still Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, there's no such thing as words anymore. Words don't have meanings anymore. Mm-hmm. But on this show, we try to make that still the case, you know, um, and, and we can't describe things. We can't actually do our jobs in trying to in, in trying to underscore the peril and the, the uh, just the, the, the rabid... Uh, the, the the rabid human nature on display in our culture. We can't actually do that without actually, get this, saying words that actually point you to what's actually going on. Yeah. I mean, we could, if we go down the road, and I, I don't want to, I don't know this was not the spirit of the letter, and so I'm not saying that sure. at all. Sure. But if we go down the road of trying to pull our punches, of trying to use euphemism, um, euphemism for what's going on, we're not going to be doing our jobs. We're not going to be able to effectively, effectively communicate truth to this culture. 
okay, if we start going down that road again, it's just going to become uh, pale pastels again of of what's actually going on. And and that's we're not doing these stories and we're not doing our jobs justice. And I'm not trying to put this in some sort of uh, no. It's a balance, light, but there yeah. is a balance. Yeah. It's a, it's a balance. I mean, this, the scriptures do not hold back on what human nature is. Um, and and in its most gratuitous, depraved, fallen forms, describes it very describes it so very bluntly. I also understand though that you you wouldn't do a Sunday school message for children on the verses in Ezekiel where God uses that very graphic language to call out the spiritual prostitution and idolatry of His people. I understand that. What I'm running into though is there's a there's a lot of adults who would be offended. If, if that language was brought to bear. Now, that's not the point of Nikki's note, which is why I'm entertaining it. Um, if, if you are an adult that just can't, can't, can't even, with, you know, if you self-edit the Bible because it just it, it offends your sensibilities, um, you know, to hear God talk about uh, emissions and sizes of donkey phalluses. If, 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 if you're like, I can't, you know, uh, I'm just going to forget God did those things because I'm, 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 I'm more Victorian and polite than he is. I, this we this I, I'm not really enter. I've never entertained those notions in my career, and I don't see that changing in the future. We get into areas though now where, um, where our kids and stuff get involved, and we're talking about ten and thirteen year olds, not little kids. Those are gray areas, and I navigate those too. I got a twelve and fifteen year old at home, you know. So, um, I get that. So. That's why I wanted to air this note because I'm, I'm going to try to be in the future more sensitive where that is concerned, you know, but I'm going to need some accountability. And, and then ultimately, though, this is the world that we're handing off to them at the same exact time. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw what was going around on Twitter yesterday. Some of the stuff and and standardize education for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, middle schoolers in California. I mean, it's it's you know, it's just a, it's just depravity. I don't I don't I don't know how else to describe it. And you know, we're going to have a month here later this year, June. What's June? Um, it's 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 fake victimization month. Yep. When every corporation and entity in this country is going to pretend that the single most powerful voting block and constituency group in America that represents maybe one half of 2% of the population. Maybe that's, that's activist, um, sex, same sex attracted individuals that are politically, that are politically radicalized because of their attraction. Maybe it's half of all those of the two and a half percent of the people that the CDC says make up that, that faction of our, of our society. Well, what are they being honored for? The method and practice they choose to reach sexual gratification. We've got a guy running for president right now, folks. Who, who has no other qualifications for president. None. He is the mayor of a podunk town in Indiana. Pick any other city that has 80, 90,000 residents. And that was your, that's the only thing you've done as a, to lead people. Nothing in corporate America. You're not a general in the military. 
nothing in the political arena. You've, you, you, all you've done is manage a city of 80 to 90,000 people or thereabouts. Right around, let's even round it up. Let's be nice. 100,000 people. If the mayor of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Aaron, mm-hmm. straight male, any, any, any skin tone, are they a serious candidate for Who? the nomination? That's right. That's exactly right. Lawrence, Kansas, where you just were. Another example. Mm-hmm. Mayor of Lawrence, Kansas. If they were straight, period, a straight female mayor of Lawrence, Kansas, would they be either party's serious nominee, serious candidate for their nomination for president? Of course not. Of course not. The only reason Pete Buttigieg is a candidate is he likes to have sex with guys. That's the only reason he's gotten this far. So I don't know on some level, you know, I taught biblical worldview for a couple of years after the 2016 election at the homeschool co-op here in town. And... One of the things I said to parents going in, because man, it's going to be a pretty conservative community, obviously. And one of the things I said to parents going in is I would not, I'm not going to make it a rule, but I would advise you not put anybody in the class, any, any of your children under 15. Maybe even 16. Because, you know, where, where by law they can get a learner's permit or to operate a motor vehicle or operate one independently with a driver's license. And here's why. Because if we're going to do biblical worldview the right way in this culture, there's no way that we can avoid addressing issues in, issues involving sexuality or sexual perversion because that's the greatest threat to your liberty right now is, is, is the demand to acknowledge sexual abnormality. That's, that's, that's causing people to lose businesses, lose their individual freedoms of conscience, to be relegated as second-class citizens, to be canceled. There's really no greater domestic threat in the culture right now than the demand that you acknowledge my sexual abnormality. And the reason we haven't acknowledged these in the past is what? Well, we were a culture whose foundation was a biblical worldview. So this is the conflict right here. This is ground zero. So I don't know how we avoid this. So I, I don't know all of your children individually. You can probably guess children raised by me are going to probably be um, a little less um, um, sensitive. <laughs> is that a is sure, that a good yeah. word? A little more. Anybody that spent 18 years or in a home with me. Uh, as Anastasia did, and then the other two children are at the tail end of that process now, is uh, is is probably going to be wired to not be offended by a certain form of bluntness, if not uh, someone of bluntness themselves. But that's not every home. And that doesn't mean, by the way, the way we do, that's just our personalities, particularly mine. And the, over the years, the longer we've been married, my wife has adopted more and more of it. <laughs> okay. But others may be different. So if that's, that's okay, you know, but I, I think... I'm, that's why I let off with this email because I think it's this. This is a, a conversation I think we need to continually have in our relationship between with one another, our show and the audience, because without revival, the standards not getting raised around here. You know, and and so we have to make some level of accommodation. Like Paul was confronting, in Galatia, confronting a religious sect whose, whose primary motivation was the removal of penile foreskin. 
On what other grounds should he have confronted them other than the grounds that was driving their own false teaching? You know what I'm getting at? Right. So, similar with Pete Buttigieg, the only thing driving his candidacy is a false teaching about abnormal sexual behavior. On what other grounds would I confront him then? Since it's the centerpiece of his identity. On what other grounds would we confront what happened at Penn State? On what other grounds would we confront uh, the mentally ill, um, disturbed individual known as Jessica Yanov? I don't, I don't know. I also, though, want us to be accountable because we're also guys and we all work together, the three of us here. We're good buddies. And let's just say even guys on the, on the right side of history walk in the narrow road when they think it's just them for too long can communicate in a certain way that they might not communicate in other settings. Is that fair? I don't know what you're talking about. In, indeed. Okay, so that doesn't mean we're not deserving of any accountability either. I think it's going to be an ongoing dialogue we're going to have to have as a show. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I would say as far as what other grounds we would confront all the issues that you just pointed out, um, would, a, would a conscience clause, um, would, would that work? Could we confront those on like an issue of, of conscience and say, you know what, um, you can get your freak on, but uh, just don't let, just don't, you know, don't don't make me get mm-hmm. my freak on as well. Could we could we confront it from that angle? As well? uh, I, no, because we tr- we've tried that. Oh, and apparently it it's you, you will be made to care, or or you will be made to care. Those mm. are the, those are the two options. Let's go next to Ariel, who says she uh, watched Michelle Williams' comments at the Golden Globes last week when she said, "quote As women and as girls, things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice." Unquote. Ariel says this statement is finally at the core of the matter. Feminists hate the fact that their bodies are the vessels that God, nature, evolution, aliens, whatever, and I like that, chose to bear children, period. Pregnancy cannot happen to men, period. It happens only to women, period. Neither have a choice in this fundamental difference, and they can't stand it. So being pro-death is the only way these feminists can level the playing field in their quest to be like males. That line right there. That line, that line right there. Now, because it ties into this conversation, this is me now giving you a warning. We're going to be very blunt and direct here in in a second. Three, two, and one. If indeed I can be same-sex attracted and not need feminization in my life, then why is it a common trait amongst the male homosexuality, male homosexual community to feminize themselves? Why? To talk effeminately, to be interested in feminine things, fashion, glamour, makeup. Why? I thought you didn't need anything feminine. I thought you were attracted to men. So you're so attracted to men that you want to become like a woman? That doesn't make any sense. And it works the other way. Have you noticed it works the other way too? How come I don't need men? Says the chick in the the crew cut wearing thicker, thicker flannel than I've got on today. You don't? Then, then why are you wearing my haircut if you don't need me? Why are specific 
instruments for sexual gratification marketed to women in lesbian relationships to take the place of a male penis. If you don't need one, why are you buying fake ones? It's not not like there's not a shortage of men that would give you the real thing if you asked. So if you don't need a man, why do you guys spend billions of dollars buying instruments made to emulate my manhood? I'll be be usually of a much more dramatic variety. Well, how's that for a a description? Is that okay? (laughs) Is that the euphemism we're looking for? Okay. All right. That works. All right. But do you see what I'm getting at? See, we can't escape our nature. We can't escape our identity. Male homosexuals say they don't need women. They want men. Okay. They They don't need women so much they become like them. Same thing in the lesbian community. Why? Why? There's no good answers to that, is there? That's why I left, let it just linger there for a moment. Ultimately, what's considered feminist nowadays from an egalitarian perspective is the removal of femininity to become more masculine. Well, if the patriarchy is bad, why are you taking on its characteristics? If masculinity is toxic, why are you becoming more masculine? You see what I'm trying to get at here? Yep. So we, we can run all we want from our nature and the way that we're made. Jonah can go to the other side of the globe, but he can't get away from his calling. And we as a species can't get away from ours either. He created them, male and female, in his image. He created them, Moses writes. We cannot get away from that, no matter how hard we try. And the harder we try, the harder it is on us. That's why the scriptures say the wages of sin is death. A wage is not a penalty. What is a wage, Aaron? Something you earn. You earned it. And Jesus says the worker is worth his hire, is worth his wages. You worked hard for that wage. You brought this calamity upon yourself. Jesus put his arm stretched wide on a cross. You said, no, I got this. You worked hard for the disaster you brought upon yourself. Own it. Take some responsibility for it. And you can still get forgiveness for it. But it starts first with some personal responsibility. It's your wage. You earned it. If you don't like that wage, change. We'll come back more in a moment here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast.
here on a Feedback Friday, which again this week is brought to you by RidUZone. Don't try another resolution again this year. You won't be able to keep up with. All right? You cannot white knuckle this thing. I, I tried it too. I, I made numerous resolutions. Nothing worked. All right? What I had to do was change the way that I lived. And RidUZone can help you do that. Get your portion sizes, your cravings under control. Boost the OEA in your body. That's that little signal from the belly that goes up to the brain to let the brain know when you're full. So the brain does its job metabolically. But for too long, when we just kind of run over that signal and drown it out by medicating ourselves with food, we've trained the brain just to ignore it. Now you can retrain your brain by boosting the OEA in your body with Riduzone. That's all that it is. You turn over the label, you're not going to see 47 ingredients you cannot pronounce. That's why it's vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and FDA-approved. All right, Because all it does is boost your OEA with more OEA so you can get how much you're eating back under control and get yourself healthy again. If you want to give it a shot. Usually takes about 90 days for a new habit to form up there in the dome. That's why we're offering you a three-month supply. That's 90 days for those of you like me that went to public school. A three-month supply for 30% off. If you use my name, Steve, as the promo code at RIDUZONE.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for RIDUZONE.com. Promo code Steve. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. And this one's from Rebecca. If America is incapable of eradicating the so-called deep state in our own country. Why would we be able to do anything about cartels in a neighboring country? If America cannot stop murders in its major cities, Chicago, why would we think, such as Chicago, why would we think we could be effective in Mexico? If America couldn't win in Iraq, Afghanistan, etc., why would we assume we could defeat cartels who would fight like guerrillas to hold their own power? Um... Let me say this, Rebecca, your premise is correct. I, I don't agree with your final conclusion because drug cartels um, don't present the same geopolitical dynamic, all right? But um, I'm always more interested in the premise of your argument than I am in the application of it, all right? Because if the premise is right more times than not, you're going to be on the right side. Every now and then, you'll get what we call, in data study, outliers, right? There's always an outlier, all right? I mean, Baker Mayfield, walk-on, 1100th 11th, ranked prospect and, and coming out of high school, and he's the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Now, let's go back over the last 20 years and find how many other kids were the 1,100th overall ranked prospect and see how many of them were chosen number one overall in the NFL draft. How many do you think it is? Is it a low number? I'm guessing it's really low. Maybe one more at the most. Okay, I'm going to put the over under on one. So when Baker Mayfields happen, we acknowledge we have to acknowledge them, right? Yep. It's like our buddy Todd likes, if Todd were here today, what would he say? The status quo is the status quo until it's not anymore, right? Okay, so when outliers occur, we have, to, we have to stop and look at them. And then we have to ask ourselves, did this outlier happen because the paradigm has shifted? Or is this just one in a million? It happens. Okay? You can't live your life by outliers, though. Doesn't mean we give up on our dreams and things of that nature. But 
if you make your entire life built around, I'm an outlier, it, that, it doesn't work that way. You have to have some form of realism. So you're, but so you're, that's why I'm always more interested in your premise. Your premise is correct. And it's why when, when the president says things like America first, it captures people's imaginations. And it's why when, when I was a critic of the president in the last election, I was in a group, there was a small group of us that had a different reason we didn't want to get on board than the majority of the others. And it's not because the majority of the other majority of the others oppose things like America first. You're seeing that now in that when he does stuff that we agree with, they suddenly now don't believe these things anymore. That's not true. It's not that they don't suddenly believe these things anymore. It's that they never did. They never did. It's not that they just suddenly don't believe in tax cuts anymore. They never did. They, they, they never did. It's not that they just suddenly don't believe in religious liberty anymore. They, they never did. My, my criticism stemmed from, I, I thought he would use America first as a slogan to con you and wouldn't follow through. And, and I still think he hasn't followed through as much, nearly as much as he should have. But he has also followed through more often than I thought that he would. So it really kind of depends on what were your expectations going in. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, you're now married, Aaron. You're going to learn, even if you didn't already know, life is a game of expectations. <laughs> okay? Right. So, but both what you have for others and what they have for you. So I don't agree that the drug cartels are the same as Iraq or the same as Afghanistan. But if we looked at this from the premise you're starting with, Rebecca, which is clean up your own house first. You know, St. Peter says judgment begins in the house of God first. Yep. When, when, when Christ gives the great commission, he says, hey, start first in your own neighborhood, then branch out, right? Okay, if we, if we began with the notion of, you know, hey, take care of that, uh, that, that log in your own eye rather than the speck in your brother's. If we started with that first, in every decision we made, our batting average, Rebecca, if we began with your premise, our batting average would be a lot higher. Now, if you're wondering, Steve, why don't you think it's the same? Here's why. Afghanistan and Iraq are not on our doorstep. And while they had elements within their country that were clear and present dangers to American sovereignty at the time, those entities are largely gone now, and yet we remain. The drug cartels are right on our doorstep. They've infiltrated our country. And they are a clear and present danger as we speak right here in our own area code. That's why I don't think it's the same. But again, if we start with your premise and the decisions we make, Rebecca, even if we're not always going to agree on the conclusion, we're going to probably come out with a much higher batting average on the other end. So good email. Yeah, I like, and I, I could chime in real quick. Sure. I, I love that. I was like nodding along. Yes, yes, this is this is good. But what I've said before is if we can take out al-Baghdadi thousands of miles away, if we can take out uh, Soleimani thousands of miles away, why can't we do the same thing? So if you reverse that premise as well, sure. I mean, you can come up with a different result. But I totally get, I totally get, I, I'm totally tracking with the premise of that sure. argument as well. Absolutely. And to what you just said, if we can, there's all kinds of stuff right now in the Muslim world. I've shared a couple of these clips on Twitter recently, but there's a lot of uh, commentary in the Muslim world that we have crippled the Iranian regime by killing Salami over there. 
Now, I don't know if that's true, but for the sake of this argument, let's say that it is. If, if we can cripple a regime as entrenched as Iran's by the killing of its top general, or at least put them in some form of disarray, I think we could at least at least stipulate that that's happened, right? They're in yeah. some form of dis- yep. disarray. A combination of this killing with the sanctions we've done in the last year has put them in some form of disarray. If we can do that to a regime as entrenched as Iran, why the hell do we have to spend 19 years in Afghanistan? Can someone answer that question for me? Because if we can do this to Iran, well, Steve, if we leave, if Steve, if we leave, the Taliban will come back. Then you know what we do if they do? We, we just kill their generals like we did Salami in Iran. Right? Right? Yep. I mean, why can't we just do that? Riddle me this. I, 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 see, these are the questions we need to ask at Pentagon briefings that never get asked. Because there's no good answers. Because there aren't any good answers. If, if we can cripple the Iranian regime, which has been entrenched since 1979 and has been the longest standing perpetual enemy of the United States in most of our lifetimes, with the Soviet Union long gone. And China is frankly more of a risk-board enemy than they are a direct military one. Sure, they desire superiority over the United States. They, they, they desire uh, commerce and business with the United States as well. Okay, Iran just wants to flat, flat out end people like us. So I look at China more as, um, I don't think it's, a, it's a, it, that one's not an either-or scenario. That is more of an Auburn-Alabama bitter, bitter rivalry, albeit for much higher stakes. I'm just trying to come up with an analogy in real time that's probably not very good. Iran is existential. Their worldview, they, they seek to end civilizations like us. So with that being said, if we can cripple a regime as entrenched as the Ayatollahs in Iran with, with punitive sanctions and killing their top general, why are we in Afghanistan for 19 years? And if we were to leave and the Taliban came back, why couldn't we just do them like we did ham, salami, and bacon over there in Iran? Can anybody answer that question for me? This is the question I'd like to ask at a Pentagon briefing. It's a question I'd like to ask at a White House briefing, for, to be honest, for good to be, or keep being honest here. Same thing in Iraq. Now, I happen to think Iraq has more strategic benefit than Afghanistan. It's actually in the Middle East, but still. It's been 16 years. It'll be 16 years in March, or 17 years in March. Well, if we leave Iraq, the Shiites will come back and, okay, cool. Then why don't we just do them like we did Iran? Do you know the answers to these questions? There are no good ones. Why, why, are, why are your loved ones going there and, and all of our loved ones? I read a story today. Eric Erickson was talking about his kid's teacher. Has to take a leave of absence from school. Called back to go to Afghanistan again. Why? 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 Just kill them if they become a problem. I, I, I mean, I shared a clip from Egyptian television this morning, or read a clip. I don't think I shared it. I don't think I shared it yet. But, I mean, they're openly talking. I mean, their version of cable news at night with panels and stuff, that they think the Iranian regime, it's the two-minute warning. 
Now, they could be wrong, but this is mainstream conversation they're having over there right now. All because we took this guy out. It didn't require a 19-year deployment. It didn't require a half a million or U.S. troops. Didn't require any of that. So that kind of gets to the point that you made, which is if we can take these guys out from afar, why can't we just line up these drug lords? And if they want more of them, we've got, it ain't like we're out of ammo. Meet our friend Drone. Yeah, just, just keep taking them out. Yep. But here's the thing, though. You know how we got to this discussion? Because Rebecca's email started with the right premise. Yep. Because it started with the right premise is how we got to this point. That's why we always focus on this show, even we don't agree on the conclusions. If we agree on the premise, we're okay. Because eventually the conclusions then will just take care of themselves if the premise is solid. Um, Steve writes, thanks for your show and how it pushes me to renew my faith. My question is with those who believe in the earth only being 6,000 years old. Oh boy. And it seems like you're one of them. The Hubble telescope has shown us the universe is thousands of times larger than we could have imagined. And scientists tell us that there are 10 billion trillion stars. If you spent $1 every second, $86,000 a day, it would take 32,000 years to spend a trillion dollars. So God put all those stars with black holes, red giants, and most importantly, the light from them hitting the earth at the exact positions and all in a few days. I got in trouble asking these questions during my eight years of Lutheran, Missouri Synod schooling. Why is that date so important when Old Testament, as the Christians call it, isn't the same book used by the Jews? Time as we know it is an earthbound concept. Thanks from a guy named Steve. Well, the the amount of flawed premises in here, Steve, is overwhelming. (laughs) All right? Beginning with the Old Testament that the Christians call it is not the same... uh, uh, Bible that the Jews use. That's just entirely not correct. And this has been, I'm sure you saw this on a YouTube show, but this has been disproven so many times that the only people who use this argument are the same ones who st- are still holding on to the fact there never was a guy named Jesus. That like, we've got more evidence that a guy named, that Yeshua of Nazareth lived than from antiquity than, than frankly any other human being of that era outside of even the Bible itself, but except for maybe a Caesar, but I digress, okay? Um, let me turn it around on you, your own premise. If you don't believe that, and, and this is, let me say this as a disclaimer. I am not, in, in making this argument, I am not taking a position on the age of the earth. That's not my point. That's a, well, then that's, what did we all tune in for, Steve? That's, the, that's a rabbit trail. Okay? That's a rabbit trail. That's not his argument. His argument is he's looking for excuses not to believe in the sovereignty of God. That's the argument. He can claim it's anything else, but that, that's at the heart of what he's saying. So the first dimension is to know why you believe what you believe. The second dimension is to know why other people believe what they believe. What's the third dimension? To know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. Okay? I'm, I don't believe he wants to believe. He wants to reject the sovereignty of God. That's the way that this is phrased. And, here, and here's why I come to this conclusion. There's very few open questions that begin from an empathetic point of view. These are declarations masquerading as questions. The Old Testament's not the same. God could not have done... These are declarations. He's he's already staked out a position. 
This isn't a free flow of information. This is a, a seeking of validation. And I think I've got you. Well, let's see if you do. If you cannot believe that a being that is, is, is responsible for all life in the cosmos and can raise the dead to life could have done the things that a particular interpretation of the book of Genesis says he did within a specific time frame. If you cannot believe that, then, then why do you trust in mere mortals who rape and kill and pillage and plunder one another and the findings of the telescopes they make? and the instruments they create and the statements that they make. Have you ever independently proven there's 10 billion trillion stars, Steve? You say, scientists tell us. Do you know these scientists? Have you met them? Have you vetted them? How do you know what they're saying is true? How do you know? By your own, I mean, let's use your own standard. Scientists, have they always agreed on everything? I was at the Museum of Natural History a few years ago. Neil deGrasse Tyson watched it. I went into their IMAX theater or no, their, yeah, I think that's what it was and watched him talk about all kinds of things, including dark matter that scientists now know that they didn't know even just a few decades ago. So how do you know what the scientists are telling you today is going to be true tomorrow? How do you know? How can you prove what you believe? Why do you think I am the only one that has to prove what I believe here? You made several affirmative statements. Prove it to me. You prove it. I'm not required to constantly be on the defensive. You prove to me I should give up my viewpoint. And then I'll prove to you that you should accept mine and give up yours. Two can play this game. We are going to forego the overtime today. There is a, uh, a winter storm warning here in central Iowa. Uh, so we're going to try to get out of here as absolutely soon as we can uh, to get home safely because it's it's the worst of it is hitting right now as we speak. So um, the any commute, the commute, the sooner we can get out of here, at least the better. Aaron, what'd you learn here today? Well, I, I learned again uh, that, that we got to we got to start from the right premise. That was kind of the main conversation that I took, at least from this last hour. Any conversation we have about literally anything, we have to start from the right premise. But that is so, so hard to do when everybody has been uh, been worked over and or brainwashed by the school system, everything like that. That is so hard to do when the Overton window is so small mm-hmm. in, our, in our culture and in our politics. But we have to commit ourselves in everything that we do, whether it's apologetics or debating the culture of politics, starting from the right premise. Well, the premise we're going to execute right now is we're going to get out of here as soon as we can to get home to our families of this winter storm. The rest of you have a great weekend. We'll have hopefully a full house back here again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.